Cheers, y'all. Well, well, well. Oh, that's the horn from the party train. Welcome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to this fine podcast radio program and video extravaganza known internationally as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to show number 281 and happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. It is the 5th of May, and I have to say, you know, some people love Halloween, some people love Christmas, but my two favorite holidays are always St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. You know, and they both fell on the same day this year. Yeah, so we got and to do was actual on shows Thursday, on the, on the days, show day. yeah, which, awesome. was, which was kind of cool. And, of course, you know why um, those are my two favorite holidays, because St. Patrick's Day is all about drinking green beer and, and Irish whiskey. And, of course, Cinco de Mayo is all about... The spirit of the agave, so uh, Mexican Mexican uh, spirits and Mexican beer as we celebrate um, uh, Cinco de Mayo with two very special guests today. My uh, favorite tequila drinking buddy, uh, Brianna <laughs> Andrus, is here, and she's also Adam's wife, and we are thrilled to have you here on the show. We are also a little irritated with you because you're taking Adam away from us, but uh, tough time. Uh, we, we thought, Love us while we're here. We, we, that's exactly <laughs> why we got you on today. Well, that and because we're going to be drinking some uh, very interesting Mexican spirits, and in uh, honor of that and in honor of Cinco de Mayo, it was the perfect day to welcome back our tequila expert, the one and only Liliana Rodriguez. And Liliana, we're going to change your title today. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so I know you didn't like being called an expert, but we kind of forced it on you. Okay. You're still an expert, but now you're an agave spirits expert. Because oh, my we're gonna God. Be doing, <laughs> because we're not doing tequila today. We're doing other agave spirits that you brought from your personal collection. But listen, I'm just getting my feet wet with mezcals. <laughs> yeah. I, I visited Oaxaca two or three times, but it's, it's a whole oh, world out there. She just visited Oaxaca two or three times. That's all. That's all. I'm just, I'm just telling you. You, you walk in the room, you know more than all of the rest of us combined about Mezcal and Sotol, and we're hoping you will teach us some good things today. So we are okay. uh, we are looking forward to that. Glad um, to be here. do want to say, by the way, uh, thank you to last week's special guest, our resident uh, whiskey expert and spirit entrepreneur, Mr. Chris Hart. We had great fun with Chris on the program, as we always do. And uh, by the way, Chris's third cousin, I don't know if you know this, Chris Hart's third cousin is Kevin Hart, the comedian. I'm crying. Really? I don't know. I just made that up. I just just completely made that up. But Kevin Hart just announced that he's coming out with his own. Chris is substantially taller than Kevin. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Substantially paler as well. That's what I was going to say. So that's where we're looking at the height. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But Kevin Hart's coming out with a tequila, another celebrity tequila. So so we'll talk about that a little bit. All right, Kevin Hart, your tequila better not suck. Yeah, yeah. Please. (laughs) We have high expectations. Please. We we, We want you to be in the, like, George Strait's Codigo tequila is pretty darn good. I told you. Uh, so I actually got to taste that uh, uh, the uh, 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 McGregor one, the mm-hmm, Conor McGregor mm-hmm. uh, proper what, twelve. That is what you do not want to aspire to. Absolute terrible reviews. And after tasting it, 
It deserves worse. It's so bad. <laughs> it is not good. <laughs> it reminds me of, I think, the worst spirit we've tasted on this show, not including my lord, which was, you know, there for a joke to begin with. Thank you, Ian. Twice. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I think the worst spirit other than Malort that we've tasted was, do you remember that hopped whiskey? It was like an IPA yes, whiskey. Yes, that was the Corsair. That was, that was awful. It was, and it stunk up the room. Oh, it, it did. Was terrible. It did. It hey, like, kudos for that company for trying some new things. I right? totally will give them that. And some of their other whiskeys are very yes, good. Yes, but yeah, so. man, that one was a miss. Yeah, swing yeah. and a miss. Swing and a miss. You got to. Yeah, love I mean, it. sometimes you have a happy accident. You know, like like when the peanut butter and the chocolate fell in together, and you have Reese's. But when you have. Uh, Turpentine and rubbing alcohol, and you call it proper twelve. It's just, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, it would be in spirit of today. I say es no bueno. Uh, it would be it would be interesting if we were able to have Conor McGregor on the show, but of course we would never get him. That's a guess that Chris Hart would get for his show, right? Right. Because he he gets all the celebrities. He's really good at that. Can uh, I say something about those along those lines? Please do about bad stuff. Yes. Okay. Well. This is a disclaimer. I'm okay. here because I'm an enthusiast. I like to explore things. Expert. And you can be totally honest. In fact, we're all going to discover these flavors together. So these are, none so of these you are open can, yet. If you don't know. know, they're not open. So this is all brand new to everybody today yes. on all these. No. So you Fantastic. can be totally honest well, with your... Even though we are occasionally accused of liking everything, which is absolutely not true. We don't like everything. But that said, we generally bring in things we think we're going to like if we're going to do the tasting. But I do wonder, if Conor McGregor were sitting here as a guest on the show, and he's a formidable man. I mean, you know, he's a, yeah. a very successful fighter. Just being in the same room with him, you would kind of like lean back the other way. <laughs> I can confidently say he could probably beat me up. I'm thinking he could take both of us <laughs> with very little problem. But here's the thing. I do wonder how our integrity would hold up. Would we be able to be honest <laughs> and tell the man his whiskey sucks? I would, I would, I would have to. I mean... That's 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 an ass whooping I just have to take. I think. That's what, <laughs> at least the story would be great. Oh, Ian, you got beat up? Yeah, it was Conor McGregor. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us for the show today. We have a lot to talk about. We have cigars we want to talk about. We have uh, oh, oh, and per in perfect timing for this show, since our agave spirits expert and my number one tequila buddy are both here. They have just released from the San Francisco World Spirits uh, organization that does the big yearly uh -huh. tastings. They've just released their best tequilas and mezcals of the year. So oh. we'll be taking a look at that list, seeing if uh, if Liliana has tried any of these and what she uh, what she thinks about them. So that have be to be honest. Yes. <laughs> well, and you know, I love when Chris Hart is here because we'll go through a list of the best whiskeys uh, from one of the you know websites or something, and he'll go, "Oh yes, that's very good. That's very good. That one's garbage." Yeah, garbage. <laughs> what is it? Garbage he's, liquid. Yeah, garbage. He's quick, he's quick to say that, so uh, you can definitely be honest. We'll also be sampling some beers today from, uh, and we're doing all Texas beers today. Awesome. I didn't do all Mexican beers because uh, I, you know, I thought that would be too much in the same style. But we are doing all uh, Texas beers, and some of them are slightly leaning into the spirit of the day uh, from our own Eureka Heights here in Houston. Uh, we'll be trying their uh, Un Poquito Mas. It's a Kolsch that they've come out I with. I haven't tried that one yet. All right, so we'll be trying I'll that. Be that. Look forward that. to that. Also, uh, <laughs> local from Humble, Texas, Southern Star has a pecan stout called uh, Metzli. 
M E T. They're from Conroe. L I. They're from. Oh, did I say Humble? They're from Conroe. You're correct. And then from uh, Dallas, the Manhattan Project Beer Company will be trying uh, a beer called Wise Monkeys. It is a Belgian Golden Strong Ale. That sounds mm. and awesome. It, it is higher ABV even than the Pecan Stout. So you we'll know, we had a last. Manhattan Project just recently too. Yes, we, we've a, had several of their yeah, beers, yeah, and they've been very great. good. Yeah. They have those very kind of like understated scientist-looking mm-hmm. uh, uh, cans. They're very interesting. Of course, this one has a monkey on it, which I don't know whether that makes it. Look more scientific or less, but uh, <laughs> but we'll we'll uh, we'll get to that. And our spirits today uh, are uh, from Liliana's personal collection, and every single one of these arrived here unopened. So either you've got a very substantial collection or a lot of willpower. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, only one. The rest I just mm-hmm. uh, acquired. You just acquired. Okay. Yeah. So, well, we appreciate the uh, the opportunity to taste these with you, and really, really looking forward to that. I uh, will tell you about some cigars to watch for today. Eleven cocktails to make for Cinco de Mayo, and we will also, uh, of course, have our normal uh, installment of the most popular segment on the program, which is, in fact, Drinking News. And today's Drinking News teaser headline is... It's your money, spend it wisely. And we'll get to that uh, coming up. I've got a whole lot of other things we can get to. Prices for Cuban cigars are not only going up, they're likely to triple. And so we'll give is you that there story. Anything right now that the price is not going up <laughs> no, on? I, I I don't think so. And I, I was I'm so glad that just before all this crazy price increase stuff started, I, I signed a new lease at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad I did that then instead of now because I have a feeling it would be a lot more. And that in a year I'm in for a rude awakening. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting. So so great show today, Liliana. We are so glad you're here. I want to jump into the cigars because I know you had an opportunity to smoke something today, Ian. Uh, uh, you want to tell us about uh, what you did? I did. I went by Casa this morning, um, and uh, I picked up a Tatuaje. I hadn't mm. had a Tatuaje in a while. And I, Those are great I cigars. love like everything in our line. They're just so good. I, I haven't <clears throat> had anything from them that I don't like. This was the uh, La Riqueza, R-I-Q-U-E-Z-A. Am I nice. even close on that? Riqueza? La Riqueza, yeah. yeah. The richness. Oh, Not, is that what it means? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Not bad. Uh, so this is a line that they had out. Uh, uh, they they didn't quite discontinue it, but they stopped making it in uh, 2017. They just brought it back, and this is the newest iteration of it. So this is the 2022 Live Riqueza. Well, I remember reading about that. Yes. This is the Robusto. It was a five and five eighths inches by uh, 54 ring gauge, with a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Uh, uh, a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. The appearance on this dark chocolate colored wrapper, soft box press, single gold band with red background. Uh, really nice looking. Closed foot on the end of the cigar. That's when the, uh, for, for those who aren't cigar smokers, that's when the tobacco uh, covers the very end of the cigar. It's not just open. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly smooth wrapper overall, firm feel overall. The uh, pre light sniff on this was very simple. It was chocolate and barnyard. Mm which was very interesting mix. Uh, the pre-light draw on this, I used a clip. It had a tight draw. Of course, it has a closed foot, so I kind of expected that um, and didn't worry about it too much. Uh, I got a lot of leather and spiciness right on the lips. Uh, fermented hay, mocha, barnyard, and rich earth, and a little dark fruit in the background on that. The initial light on this, I don't have a song for it yet. But I got the Nicaragua pepper blast <laughs> right off the bat. Um, I can do my version of the song. <laughs> no, no, I don't no, mind. No. I don't mind. It's you know for the love of all that's decent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Please no. 
<laughs> I will go blind in one ear. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah. That's good. That's I've never heard that one before. That's good. <laughs> the draw opens up immediately uh, after I lit it to uh, to a medium draw. So that's I expected that draw to open up, and it did. Uh, dark, leathery earth and pepper immediately uh, right past the uh, Nicaraguan pepper blast. Uh, spicy tingle on the lips. Uh, Retro hail is spicy cayenne and leathery earth. The uh, first third of this, medium to full strength, right off the bat. I mean, this was this did this didn't take much in the way of developing. It started mm-hmm. off with a pepper blast and then went straight to like right in between medium and full. The um, uh, the flavors spicy and nutty flavored, backed by substantial pepper and mocha. Not so subtle overall roasted coffee bean with charred oak and toast. Uh, sneaky sweetness and hints of dark fruit and licorice uh, lurking around in the background. Leather laces throughout. Leather laces, because I thought those mm-hmm. ones. I like. That. I couldn't figure out how to do leather and lace, but leather laces, you know. Alliteration and <laughs> alliteration and some some element of poetry. Right. <laughs> uh, the retro hail is charred toast and pepper, solid ash, good burn. The second third of this copious amounts of smoke, mocha, and nutty flavors dominate here. The back, uh, b- all backed by massive cedar and pepper flavors. Slightly sweet and spicy, with a hint of uh, savory stock kind of going through it. Dark fruit. And licorice remain in the background along with some leathery notes. Uh, leathery tingle on the lips remain the whole way through this cigar. It was uh, really, really fun and interesting. After every puff, you just had that little mm-hmm. flavor. And it's like mm-hmm. having, when you have like a good flavor of uh, chapstick, you know? Yeah. Hint of that flavor always going on, right? <laughs> um, Retro Hail is charred toast with uh, and nutty with some pepper, solid ash, perfect burn. The last third of the cigar, pepper notes remain uh, constant. Toast and bitter mocha follow with a touch of sweetness in the background. Savory flavors are a little less prominent here. Leather and earth shine through with dark uh, fruit and licorice. Charred oak is more distinctive here on the end. Uh, the retro hail is nutty and toasty with pepper and a touch of mint to it. Uh, solid ash, perfect burn. This was a twelve dollar cigar. So mm, it's yeah. a little pricey. Tatuajes can be a little pricey. Yeah, they're not they're not what you'd call the budget line cigars, but they're always good. And I gave this a solid five. You get exactly what you pay for in a twelve dollar cigar. It's a bigger cigar, so uh, so no uh, no noobs should should pick this one up right off the bat and go try because you'll probably be hiccuping pretty quick. So, <laughs> but it was quite good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had it with a with a Topo Chico and it went well. Very nice. Very what nice. What is the average price for a good cigar? Well, that's so the that's that's like what's the average price on a tequila? It's it varies. It's very yeah. very subjective. And, and I think then, you can start getting good ones in the six to eight dollar yeah, range. Yeah, so six to eight dollar range. And, You're almost guaranteed a good one. At the twelve dollar range, right? Um, some bat a little better than others uh, on the average, but uh, you know, there's that. There's some twenty dollar cigars that are worth every penny. You know, you mm-hmm. pick up a Placencia, and quite frankly, there's some twenty dollar cigars that aren't as good as eight dollar cigars that I've had. That's so, that's true too. So, so all of that. So anywhere between six and twenty dollars, I'd say. <laughs> but the Thanks sweet for being spot, so specific. the sweet spot finding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sweet spot, I think, is is uh, from that from about that six dollar point up to about ten dollars. I think you're pretty safe getting cigars in that mm-hmm. range, yeah, uh, especially yeah. from the bigger names because absolutely they're very competitive and they're all trying to put out the and best product. It's they can. getting to where, and of course, as we mentioned, everything's going up. But it's getting to where that price is kind of inching. 
towards the eight to ten rather than the six to eight. Next year we'll be like, remember when you could buy a cigar for six dollars? Yeah. I have I have this great old vintage <laughs> sign hanging above the door in my apartment that says "Cigars Five Cents." Right. It's just to remind me of of, uh, of how good it. Back when we used, used to walk to, to work uphill both day, <laughs> yeah. both ways in the snow, and buy a cigar for six dollars. And that's how I met your mother. Uh, so uh, uh, so I had an interesting one uh, today, Ian. I smoked the Trinidad Espiritu mm. series number one Toro. What's that? that? I looked hard at that when I walked uh, in. The it's a beautiful there. cigar. Yeah. It's got uh, it's got a very colorful band on it. It's very well rolled. Looks great. It's entirely possible, by the way, that I've offered my tasting notes for this cigar on the show before, maybe a couple of years ago. To be honest, I don't really remember, and I also don't really remember what the cigar tasted like if I did. So I right, thought hey, this right. will, this will be good, you know. So uh, I really wanted to smoke one of these. And besides, as we know, cigar blends can change over time, so it could be. Uh, a little different from what I smoked back then, and hopefully um, it's still uh, relevant enough to see what one of these smokes like today. So several years ago, tobacco expert and master blender Rafael Nodal uh, brought in his buddy and Maverick cigar blender to help him revive the Trinidad brand. That man's name is A.J. Fernandez. Hmm. I am a self-professed fanboy of Mr. Fernandez. I love his work. A.J., isn't he the, uh, the uh, car driver? Uh, that's a different AJ. Oh, okay. <laughs> AJ and Raphael have collaborated before with great results, so my expectations were pretty high. The Espiritu is a Nicaraguan puro, which is, quite frankly, where AJ does some of his best work. Uh, with all the tobacco in this cigar from Nicaragua, I had a pretty good idea I was going to like this one. Pre-light sniff and draw, both rich and interesting. Barnyard was the primary note. Bales of hay and a rich sort of loamy soil. I picked up a little bit of pepper, but once I lit it, our old friend, the Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. <laughs> I've I, I decided not to sing because I don't want to embarrass myself in front of Liliana. <laughs> um, the Nic- I've already done it many times in front of uh, in front of Brianna. So I'm not uh, supposed to say what about me? <laughs> no, no. You, you're, uh, you're, Some things I'm, you can't unhear. It's, well it's nightmare fuel. <laughs> uh, anyway, the um, uh, you know the Nicaraguan Pepper Blast stepped up to say hello. Um, I, so I wrote in my notes. I was gonna do uh like an adele thing hello now from aj's past nicaraguan pepper blast uh but i again i'm chickening out on singing it you really don't want me to you really do uh all right the spice leaned uh, more toward red pepper than traditional black but just as the npb usually does it settled down a little bit once the cigar began to burn for a moment i picked up a definite creaminess right off the bat and the espiritu uh produced a healthy volume of very rich smoke some of the barnyard note that I'd picked up on the pre-light was noticeable uh, during the burn of the first third, and even though I know it sounds like that might not be a pleasant thing, it really was. I also got leather and roasted nuts and a hint of licorice. At first, I thought that the Espiritu might not be as complex as some of AJ's other blends, but it kept opening up the more I smoked it and giving me more to contemplate. The construction was excellent. Ash held on well past an inch and probably would have stayed for the first third at least, but uh, I was chicken and I tipped it off at just over an inch and a half or so just to be safe. Spicy pepper notes continued into the second third, but they didn't dominate the other flavors. There was even a bit of sweetness that developed, which balanced the cigar out really nicely. Dried fruit and more nuts in the second third. In the final third, baking spice, 
earth and a really smoked wood note joined the spices. A different spice, maybe more like paprika, uh, but not too strong, uh, was on the retrohale along with a little vanilla note. I would say that the Espiritu is not as strong as AJ's New World line or the Enclave. Uh, I'd peg it at a solid medium in terms of body, and that was actually quite nice because it was very flavorful at that strength. You could really, really pull the flavors out of it. Construction was excellent all the way through with a pretty straight burn line and solid ash, a different profile from the AJ Smokes that I usually enjoy, and this was very enjoyable. I like the Espiritu a lot. Uh, coming in at about 10 to $11. It's a little pricier than some of AJ's others, which is where I struggled a little bit with price to quality on this one. Compared to other 10 or $11 cigars I've smoked recently, this is a solid winner. That said, I'm not sure it's better than like the Diaz de Gloria, which I can usually get for like eight or nine bucks. Right. Uh, so it, it was a little hard to peg. I still, though, cannot argue with the amazingness of this cigar. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to add it to my regular rotation. I liked it that much. Uh, highly recommended. Big thumbs up. And I settled at a 5.5 for the price to quality. So it was still. You made it sound just, pretty awesome. It, I, I loved it. In <clears> fact, <throat> I, I, it was the only one, I only bought one. And now I'm like, I should have bought a handful of these. They were really good. Uh, so, all right, we have a lot to do, including spirits to taste. That will begin in our next segment. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I, I want Liliana to school us a little bit in uh, Mexican spirits and agave spirits and what is different about mezcal and satol from the more traditional tequila. Smoking and toasting, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Uh, we are on show number 281. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Uh, we'll be talking about the best tequilas and mezcals and doing some tasting here, which we're going to get to actually uh, uh, pretty quickly. And if you want to go ahead and uh, start oh, some pouring. Are you trying to tell me something? Uh, uh, during the uh, <laughs> break, Brianna was uh, talking about the. The ratings that we give cigars, which made me think that I should probably uh, say something more about the price to quality, uh, giving a cigar a 5.5 means that it actually just a little bit kind of punched above its price class, if you will. Uh, so the, the price to quality means that um, a 5 on the scale of 1 to 10 is actually a, uh, a, a cigar where you get what you paid for. So it's uh, anything that's above a 5 means it was probably... You know, you wouldn't have been disappointed had it even cost a little more. Anything below a five could still be a good cigar, but maybe it was just a bit overpriced. So, um, all right, Ian is pouring our first uh, agave spirit here, and I'm going to have him uh, pass that bottle around. But before you do, show that to the camera. That, oh, that is an that bottle absolutely is gorgeous. gorgeous gorgeous bottle. And now all the spirits we're tasting today came to us from Liliana's personal collection. And so Liliana, before we actually begin to taste this, I'm going to see if Ian can hold out and not uh, and not taste it for a moment, even though it's sitting right in front of him. <laughs> Ordinarily, he likes to begin his research, research. <laughs> uh, a little early. But Liliana, what can you tell us about the First of all, the explosion in mm -hmm. agave spirits, because tequilas are more popular than ever, but not just tequilas. There's also some other agave spirits. Tell, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between them and what 
what makes something a tequila, what makes something a mezcal and soto and sure, so on. Sure, sure. We're going to be tasting today some mezcals. Mm -hmm. And in essence, when the Spaniards introduced the uh, distillation process into Mexico or mm -hmm. the, the steel, copper steels, right. everything was called mezcal. In fact, in tequila was called mezcal de tequila, belonging okay. to the town right. of tequila. Mezcal from tequila, basically. Yes. Yeah. So the mezcal cannot be tequila, but tequila is a type of mezcal. Got it. But it's only made with agave tequilana weber, one plant, one type of agave. Okay. Versus mezcal, mezcal is made with different agaves. And some are cultivated and some are as uh, wild. That's oh, wow. Just That's collected. Cool. Uh -huh. where, where the wild agave grows. Now, the, <laughs> the states where they are produced are also different. You know, tequila right. is very specific. The, uh, the uh, consejo that regulates tequila, only Jalisco and also Michoacán, Guanajuato, Nayarit, in a small area of, Tam of Tamaulipas. And if it doesn't come from there, it can't be called, be called tequila, tequila, even if it is from just the one correct agave plant, yes. correct? And then the mezcal is mainly, well, one of the states that is mainly a producer is Oaxaca, which is a, a love that state. And you've only been there a couple of times. Guerrero, <laughs> Guerrero Zacatecas, Michoacán, Durango, and now Puebla. Now, um, besides that, remember that in the old days, a warm was also included in every uh -huh. bottle of mezcal. And right. it's something that is changing. And right. that I believe is because the American taste. And they some people might not like it or might, might don't find think it, it's yeah, not, appetizing. not appetizing. Right. But traditionally the there's the, several several uh, stories about the, the worm. Some people say, well it gives authenticity to the mm -hmm. because it's a moth, it's the larvae of a moth that uh, uh, inhabits the agave plant. Mm -hmm. Also, they said it shows you the purity of the mezcal. If you see that bottle that I brought from 1994, the worm is still intact. Mm. It hasn't deteriorated. So oh, there it's, it is. Ian, maybe you can show that so to the camera. A, the worm's right in the bottle there. So it's a good mezcal. Another thing is that some people use it as publicity <coughs> strategies. Right. <laughs> I know for years, uh, most people I knew that would talk about tequila thought that tequila had a worm in the bottle, but that, that actually was yeah, not ever a, the no, thing, no, was it? Yeah. No, no tequila should have a worm. And then the, <laughs> and then the other thing they say is, it hasn't been proven, that it improves the flavor. So we know probably that's not true. <laughs> now, mezcal is always been uh, the beverage of the poor. The people in the countryside, you know, the people who were not very educated, but that we have seen, we have witnessed. More like a peasant, that uh, peasant uh, yeah. mm -hmm. drink. Also, main difference, tequila is now in big, big factories and everything is automated, mm -hmm. the meals and everything. Mezcal, on the contrary, a lot of it is still being handmade. Very, very much handmade. And in yeah. small wow. family concentrated right. operations. Now, so, I was gonna ask you this, I've uh, tried a number of mezcals and in my experience, I find it to generally have a smokier flavor than tequila. Is that something consistent throughout mezcal? Yes, and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay. okay. 
remember the process of tequila, you collect the piñas, the core of the agaves, and then you roast them, and then they get smashed, and then filter, and then they go to fermentation. Mm -hmm. Well, the mezcal producers, they leave the fiber in, in for the fermentation. So that creates that a lot creates of more interesting of the, uh -huh, More flavors. smoky flavors and mm -hmm. things like that. I have, the, to, I have uh, to just wonder, going way back in history, who looked at the agave plant and thought, if we take just that center and we do all these things to it and then ferment it, we're going to wind up with something special. Like, like who had the forethought to know? You know? Well, that happened hundreds of years ago, yeah. and it was the Zapotecs and the Mistecs and mm -hmm. everything. And they do have a legend that the goddess Maya Well actually sent the thunder and lightning into the core into of an agave. The, uh. And when they drank that juice that was coming out of the core of the agave, they knew they had something special well, they and they call it did. <laughs> and they call it agua miel or honey water because it was it has a lot of the core has a lot of carbohydrates mm -hmm. so that gives it a special and then sweetness. somebody left it sitting out a little too long and then it was even <laughs> better. wow it got better <laughs> and then the other difference is that uh, for the fermentation process the people who make tequila can actually add external yeast and the people who make mezcal only use the natural yeast press already present in the plant. Now, I notice on this bottle it actually says young mezcal. Mm -hmm. Is uh, mezcal, I, I know tequila, while it certainly can be aged, and some mm -hmm. of the ones that I like the best have been aged, but it's not quite the same as, say, when you're working with whiskey, where you really are going to need a certain amount of aging before that's going to... Yes. really yeah. be what you want to drink with uh, tequila is not so much so is mezcal the same way or even more we so we have the same classification according to the age okay. we have the joven we have the reposado which we're going to taste today and then we have añejos mm -hmm. right although as super or extra añejo is a word that tequila makers don't want the mezcal makers to use uh. <laughs> only the añejo but in, and that's in, just but extra añejo is just like over two years, right? Extra, yeah, three yeah, to five. Just, three yeah, to it's five. just over two years. So it's like because two years is an age. It's, a, it's not like uh -huh. whiskey where right. you know, <clears throat> two years you start with seven years. Two years would be considered extremely young in the whiskey yeah. world. Right. Yeah. So two two more differences. One is that mezcal can only be exported if it's already bottled. You know. Oh, so you can't they, get it in barrels. No. The tequila sometimes is sent in big tanks here, mm -hmm. and they do the dilution and they do the bottling. Not with mezcal. Has, has to, to be exported bottles. to U.S., which is the main producer outside Mexico. Well, this is certainly and, a beautiful bottle they exported it in. I and can tell the, you that. La the last difference is that the mezcals are 100% agave versus the tequila can be two types, 100% agave or mixto, which means 51% plus other uh, carbohydrates. But one of the things you taught us when we're shopping for tequila is to always up. look for the one that is not the mixto, right? Look for the 100% uh, agave. agave. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, there's uh, some legends linked to, te to mezcal. One is that it will give a long life to those who drink it. I'm going to go with that. And a wonderful <laughs> Me popular uh, Mexican saying is, as a remedy for everything bad, 
and to celebrate all good as well. And that is mezcal. Well, I am ready to celebrate. What Cheers. do you guys think? Okay. Cheers. So Cheers. I am excited to taste this. Cheers. So you are tasting a tequila, a, a mezcal joven. It, that is made with a, a agave named Quiche. So there's many. Remember, tequila only one agave. The uh, the the mezcal is gonna be with different types of plants and the agave plants, and they're gonna tell you on the label. This particular one came from a small town in Oaxaca, and it's called artesanal. Who can use? the designation artesanal an artisan and, obviously uh, yes <laughs> but that means that no instruments uh, uh everything is made by hand no factory okay no, no factory, factory no automated anything and <laughs> this is so, a little spicy spicy and smoky probably smokier than um the bottle of mezcal i'm uh, slowly working on at home um but it it's really got a a really rich flavor profile to it. And this is young. So if if mezcal ages, does the smokiness recede at all or does it stay with it through the aging process? You know, I really don't know, but one thing that I know is that they use uh, fresh, uh, new white oak barrels. They don't mm. They don't use the recycled right. barrels like tequila, but this is joven. This was never in 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 was in, never that, in, a, uh, in any in type of barrel. Yeah. Now in Oaxaca, they are now honoring the people who make alebrijes, and I brought some alebrijes here to show you. It's a beautiful art with a special type of type of wood from the Bursera trees and then they paint them. I love and, this guy. Yeah. Really cool. Oh, I see. So yeah. cool. And they have to say Artists. Oaxaca and the name of the artist. Mm -hmm. If not, they're not authentic. <laughs> now, <laughs> Martin Tilayete. This, this bottle is actually giving you a lot of information. This Quiereme Mucho, that's the brand, it means love me much. And um, the production is in a, in, in a little bitty town called San Pedro Taviche in Oaxaca. Uh, they give you the type of oven. This is another main difference with agaves that are cooked for mezcal. They are cooked underground. They, mm. they make mm. a hole in the earth and then they put rocks on the bottom. They put the piñas and then they cover them with the leaves. Oh, wow, right? okay. And oh, versus wow. tequila, they use autoclaves now. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm -hmm. oh. Brianna, what's your uh, take on this? I, I, I don't know how experienced you are with mezcal. I know you've had it before, but... Uh, yeah. No, it's really good. It's super smoky. I'm getting a chocolate taste. That's mm -hmm. where that rich... I have, like, a little bit of, like, a dark chocolate after, like, undertone from it. But it's uh, really good, really smooth on the finish. What's your take, Ian? Uh, I get that as well. The, uh, the smokiness right up front. And, and interesting enough... When you when you smell it, you smell that agave, and then you also smell almost a mineral water kind of. There's a little of that on background. the finish too. But I, well, I was about to say I don't really get a lot of the mineral water once I taste it. Um, but I get that uh, there's almost a, a pine needle kind of uh, flavor going on. Like, uh, does that make sense? Yes, like, I know what you're talking about. Like a little yeah. bit of a pine needle flavor going on. It's really interesting in there too. Almost like mm -hmm. a hop. Mm -hmm. uh, a mm -hmm. vibe to it just a little bit. Uh, I think it's delicious. I, How about the, the, the scent? Oh, Do you? Well, on the nose, I get more agave, more like sort of that pure agave um, 
sort of a scent on the nose a little more, and you don't get as much. It, it's a little smoky on the nose, but not like it is on the palate once you drink There's it. There's also a slight butteriness that happens, yes. too, that's, that's like right there, kind of in the middle of the palate, right before you uh, make that, that, that swallow. It's very interesting. And it has a wonderful aftertaste. Yes, it does. I think it is, is great. Uh, $79. I was just about to ask. Adds, um, total wine. But I Google in, in Mexico, and it's the same price, $80. Really? Yeah, mm. it was given in pesos, really? but it was the same. So I found the, it's been uh, several years since I've been to Mexico, but I found when I was shopping for spirits there, rum and tequila, that they generally seemed less expensive by the time you translated them to American dollars and, mm-hmm. and then what you would pay uh, for the same spirit here in the U.S. Is that is that pretty normal? And if so, do you find, do you, I would wonder why this would be at the same price. It's just the demand, perhaps, in Mexico? Maybe, but remember now people have access to a lot of information. That's true. Maybe That's now true. people will say, well, I could buy it less expensive in Mexico. Let me go to the border. True. But they started limiting now the number of bottles that you can bring. To, mm, interesting. I think it's two. Two? Anyway. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? If you're there for a week. Do you realize how many times I'm going to have to go to the border? <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you a nice story that I read about this artist. His name is Ron Cooper. He is from New York City. He was born in 1943, and he loved to travel. And then in 1970, he went to Oaxaca. And Oaxaca is a place with a lot of art. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Is that from Oaxaca? Yeah, that sure is yeah. awesome. A lot oh, of art. Beautiful, beautiful. And, I mean, you name it. And then they also collect the cochineal insect mm-hmm. from the prickly pear to make a dye and they dye textiles. There's so much. So he became fascinated and he loved mezcal. So it took him, that was 1970. It took him until 1995. He's the first person who introduced mezcal into the United States market. Wow, that's so cool. Wow. That's so cool. Mm-mm. I want to mention, by the way, your uh, your outfit being from Oaxaca. I don't know if you realize this, but my outfit from a very special place, too. I don't know if you've heard of the region of TJ, Max? <laughs> it's, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a place, you know, with some with some culture of its own. I'm not sure what the culture is, but uh, but it does have it. Well, sometimes you can find interesting things there. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know the scratchers can. for yeah. my oh, cats? Yeah. They're only like three, four dollars. Oh, well, see, that's worth going right if there. You go, if you go to Petco or PetSmart, you yes. have to pay 15. Okay. And, you know, so, so. Looks like we need to go to TJ Maxx, babe, and get some stuff for the girls. Ian, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and uh, do, we want to taste two in this segment. Okay. Uh, otherwise, we will fall behind and. Uh, you know how okay. I hate to fall behind. So uh, while he's opening that up, Let what can you tell, you tell us about yes. it? Yes. This wonderful Añejo uh, Mezcal oh, I'm is, so excited. is named Nucano. And again, I like to look for history. Who who was Nucano? Now, we can already tell, by the way, just from Mm -hmm. being able to see through the bottle that, and I'm sure, obviously, because of the aging, uh, but this is a much darker colored uh, liquid than than the young mezcal. Yeah, it was aged for one year, and the agave that this is made from is called an agave Augustofolia, or the most common name, Espadin, like Espada, Espadin. Mm-hmm. 
And this particular um, name, Nucano, is the name of a, a, a warrior. He was a mystic warrior, and then he married a girl from a Zapotec group named Donna Hugh, and they became in love and very happy, and in honor of him, they have this. You also see that there's a, an, an, an ancient god on the mm -hmm. label, uh, on the <laughs> other side, on the other side, oh. that's Sipe Totec. It's a god of spring and closer. renewal. Oh, wonderful. Okay, so the uh, copper, um, the steel that they use is made of copper. The agave has to age eight years before they collect them. So the agave itself has to be eight years. Yes, okay. so eight, it has to years grow before, for eight years. Yes, it has to mature. And this, they also give you a lot of information. They give you the uh, the the percent of alcohol per volume is 40%, so it's 80 proof, mm -hmm. which is also, it varies from mezcal to mezcal. And this was aged for one year. Interestingly, I saw an NOM, and that I don't know if that's also gonna happen with, with a lot with of the, agave, with the mezcals. You, you definitely get the, or with the with uh, tequilas, mezcals. remember, we yeah, have to look for NOM. Many, many of the uh, mezcals don't have NOM. What does NOM so stand for again? Norma Oficial Mexicana. Gotcha. That means that the Consejo is a, a council that goes to the factories and they observe and every step Approve of the Approve that all process. the steps are authentic. Uh -huh. and so the meal wow. that they use, this is also, if you notice, artesanal, mm -hmm. right? So the meal that they crafted. use, yes, is a tajona. It's an, an ancient uh, stone that has a big piece of wood in the center, mm -hmm. and they go around in a surface covered with rocks, but they use a horse to go around and oh, smash. Right. Wow. To, to power. Oh, yeah. smash. Wow. So the, remember, after that, there's the fermentation, and then after the fermentation is the distillation, and they usually tell you how many times this um, was the steel. I couldn't find it for this, but most of the uh, agaves, I mean, the mezcals are also fermented twice. Okay. But there are a few that are only ferment, uh, distilled once. You Pardon know, me, distillation, only once. I just want to bring up, uh, you know, she's putting Chris Hart to shame. We had, <laughs> we had some excellent uh, uh, cognac last week, but he didn't tell us Anywhere near this much stuff about it. Because you know? I love hey, history. Hey, hey. Not well, too much on Chris Hart. So this, is, this is vastly different on yes, the it nose. Is. Yes, it is. But I'll tell you the big thing I picked up is that new oak barrel. Mm -hmm. It smells mm -hmm. like fresh oak. It's really pretty amazing. I really like this a lot. This is fantastic. Another uh, Ooh, characteristic of artisanal mezcals is that they're small batches. Right, so right. They, the, the flavor might vary, right, from right. batch to batch right. because batch they to use up all, the, all the, the, the plants that were available at that time. This is definitely, you can taste the aging mm -hmm. uh, versus the younger um, mezcal that we just had, uh, which was very good. But this is, mm -hmm. this that, is like veering into that. That oak adds a little really. stringency to the flavor, too, a little bit of that. 
makes you want to take another sip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's also smoother, I think. You, you've got this the smokiness. Very smooth. Yes. You've got the, the uh, smokiness, but it's not as pronounced, and it's, and it's more like an undercurrent. There's a real kiss happening. of black uh-huh. pepper right as you yes. swallow, too, that's yes. like in, a, in a very nice way. I found a review by some experts on mezcal, and they said, as tasting notes, a vibrant notes of cherry, vanilla, cranberry, coffee, and dark chocolate, full body, and velvety in the mouth. It's wonderful, is what it is. (laughs) It's absolutely wonderful. I don't pick up the cherry on that. I can. I didn't either. I can envision envision the chocolate a little bit, especially in the aftertaste. I get it a little bit. It's, It's not cherry like cherry pie it's cherry like that like almost like a chocolate covered cherry uh sort of a vibe that's it's not a tart mm-hmm. cherry if you know what i'm uh, trying mm-hmm. to say it's more like a just a little vague sweetness underneath the chocolate note. also you know what uh none of us has said it but the smokiness is uh, a little mellowed too oh much more so than in this the, the yeah. last one there's a little mm-hmm. less of the smoky uh, i don't mm-hmm. get the pine no uh, note like i got in the last one but this is um, well. this very is different. so sippable, though. And, this and, is, yeah. We yeah. forgot one of the rules of tasting. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't oh, drink water. Cleanse. Didn't clean our yeah. palates. Palate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <we're>, that's, uh, <laughs> it's too late. But sometimes we'll on this show, we just move right ahead and, and uh, damn the torpedoes. We're moving too fast. <laughs> 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 we're excited. Well played, yeah. This is very nice. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to taste a beer in the next uh, segment. It's time to get into some Un Poquito Mas Kolsch from Eureka Heights here in Houston, mm-hmm. Texas. I love Cinco de Mayo, don't you? It's yeah. awesome. Oh. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Happy everybody. Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. This, oh, this is... This, Liana, oh, have... is, this mm-hmm. is just fantastic. And this one was only $45. Oh, love it. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're show number 281. Two very special guests today for Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Brianna Andrus is with us, and of course, Liliana Rodriguez, our uh, resident agave spirits expert. And we're uh, <laughs> trying to do things that will uh, that will make our Cinco de Mayo bright and shiny, and I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it uh, so far. Ian, while you're pouring, um, you sent me a, you texted me a photo this week, and I showed it to my wife. I thought, oh, Ian must be in San Antonio. It was you in front of a Cigars International superstore, and we just had been talking about how they just opened one up in San Antonio, and so I assume that's where you were. I think we have the picture here. I brought it. Uh, oh, but, you brought it in. Yeah, but we weren't actually in. You weren't actually in San Antonio. I found out. No, before I the went show. up to uh, uh, Fort Worth area to visit with a buddy of mine just on Friday. I, I did the dash drive up there and drove back on Saturday. But while I was up there, we went to the Cigars International over there. And I can tell you. Yeah, how um, was it? You totally should have so been So we didn't get to like, hang out there and stuff like that, but it is a lovely lounge. Yeah? Like, you walk in and it's this beautiful lounge and bar. They have this great outside patio out in front of it and this enormous humidor that rivals, uh, probably rivals the Casa de Monte Cristo here on uh, 610. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that size humidor. There's a little it's a more big square. Uh, it was really interesting. <laughs> it was really, really fun to walk around. The, the, the uh, cashier... 
for the cigars and everything is inside the humidor. Oh, that's kind of cool. I don't think I've seen that before. <laughs> like that guy just goes goes home and smells like humidor all day. Uh, <laughs> it's just great. if they could if they came out with humidor cologne, I would so wear that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. so good. You know. So yeah, but it was really nice, and I wish uh, you know we wandered around just a little bit in there. But man, their uh, their their uh, lounge area is really really nicely set up. They have a full bar, fully stocked bar, bartender and everything on the inside. It's it's, it's a beautiful place. I could totally see myself hanging out there next time I go to Fort Worth. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll have to either do that or make a road trip to San Antonio and check that one out. It it should be good. Eureka Heights is a uh, very good brewery here in our uh, home area of Houston, and we've had these guys on the show before. But this, I think, is relatively new. I don't know whether they released it specifically in time for Cinco de Mayo or not. I would assume so. They like to do timely. But work, it uh, is releases. called Un Poquito Mas, which is uh, just a little more, right? It's uh-huh. a refreshing coal-style beer, uh, packed its bags for an all-inclusive retreat to Parrot Dice. It's parrot two words, dice. Parrot, oh. as in like, <laughs> like the bird parrot. Somewhere, so somewhere Jimmy Buffett smiled. Oh, Lime puree so and cute. sea salt combined with Pilsner malt create your perfect taco chaser. Mm. All right, um, so I can, so we'll imagine having this with a with a nice taco. This is probably why Cheer. I haven't nice tried it, because I, I don't generally... <laughs> You know, beer with lime and salt is not really my thing. Right, because this does have lime and salt in it. But I'm I, loving it. I'm telling you right off the bat, this is not Bud Light Lime, my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... Which gonna... doesn't taste like lime at all. It tastes like lemon. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, that's, it I'm tastes like lemon pledge. I'm sorry. I'll teach you uh, something Mexican. Yes. Arriba. 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 Abajo. 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 Al centro. Al centro. Adentro. 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 Oh. Uh, now, I... Uh, I actually learned that toast when I was on the island of Cuervo Nation, which is something I got to do back in the uh, uh, back in the '90s. And they would uh, they would offer that toast when we uh, drank a whole lot of uh, tequila. Mm-hmm. And even though that was in my very early days with tequila, I you know I enjoyed tequila. Uh, but it was after I got home from that trip, and and I had made friends with a lot of the people that worked for Jose Cuervo. Uh, that were there on the island that I got an invitation to I lived in Boston at the time got an invitation to a tequila tasting that they did in Boston at this old uh, church that had been converted into a theater and that was where I went and tasted for the first time the um, Reserva de la Familia uh, from Cuervo and uh, you know I, I can point out several pivotal moments where I would say my life changed, that was one of them. (laughs) That was one of them. That was when I went, oh, wow, there's more to tequila than I knew. And that's what started my uh, journey into uh, trying to learn uh, more about tequila and why it became my favorite of the spirits. But... uh, Anyway, I, I love that. I, I haven't done that toast in a long time. So yeah. that's, so that's how you have me spoiled. Yeah. I have very expensive taste in tequila due to my <laughs> father-in-law. <laughs> Does anybody remember gator gum? Gator gum. It was like the Gatorade mm. gum that would like. Oh yes, I do. I don't. I don't know. I remember it existing. Yeah, I don't think like I ever. Sport gum. That would yeah, it would like make your mouth water. Saliva glands go absolutely nuts. This kind of tastes like someone dropped one of those in my beer. I have to say, <laughs> it tastes a lot of le- like it has a lot of lemon. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I really like this. I, I more than I uh, had expected to. I'm always a little. I, I love you guys, Eureka Heights, but I'm not buying this beer. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I always am a little suspect of the. Salt and lime type beers. Although I will just say, the salty lady from Martin House, 
Fantastic. That's a wonderful beer. Fantastic. That is just a, I, it's a goza. I, it's got, yeah. I second that. That, that, that little bit really of sour, great. though, I think helps with that. This, to me, is, I don't know, it, but it, this is one of those beers that could also be situational, you know? Like, sitting out by a pool, maybe. I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't know remember, if I can justify it. I'm not a fan of it. I don't remember the the brewery. Uh, maybe it was Eleven Below, but you brought in uh, to the show once a, a beer called Taco Tuesday, which yeah. I love the name of, but I wasn't crazy about the beer. This I like better than that. I wasn't. I don't think I really really enjoyed Taco Tuesday all that much either. It was, it was a margarita was, inspired. Yeah, it was beer, interesting. As I but it was this not, is not that. This is more. No, just this a, is very different. Yeah, a very salt and. I guess beer, to but. the contrary, I'm a huge fan of this beer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it too. And and it's you know, so with refreshing. Summer, with summer coming on. Yes. This would be a wonderful. That, summer this is beer. a pool time, poolside hanging beer. out no beer. No question. All the See, way. You know, it's so good and refreshing. I don't mind having a big frothy glass of you know dirty bastard. See, or, but, that, but you are unique, though. You got you got to you got to admit that because you'll you'll uh, be on an inner tube floating down the Frio River. Drink and your barley wine. Barley I got wine. no problems with that. <laughs> so, and yeah. you drink twelve percent beers, like they're five percent beers. <laughs> exactly. So. That's exactly right. Uh, I want to very quickly pass along a story. Liliana actually had forwarded this to us a couple of weeks ago <laughs> about a kindergarten student in Michigan. Michigan, who uh, apparently brought tequila to school and shared it with the other kindergartners, and you it's must like it's like for, so. I'll just say first of all, don't do that. That's <laughs> this, not cool. Oh is this a drinking news story? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, seriously, uh, I, pull I think <laughs> I think when Liliana sent it, she thought we might use it for drinking news, but I couldn't find a way to make it funny. It was. Uh, it, it was I mean, I mean, it's inherently funny, but it's not. Yes. No, yeah, no, I know. But, it's a serious. Yeah, it really story. is. Uh, my my oh older my brother God. got uh, got called down to the office one time because mom made a rum cake and he went to school with it. Oh, he got got in trouble for the rum he cake. He had huh? he had rum cake and it smelled like alcohol. Of course, she does put a bunch of rum in the rum cake, but I mean, I'm pretty sure the alcohol. Is there any other way? The best. <laughs> the best part of this story was when it was a, a young girl that brought this to the kindergarten, right? And the best part of the story was when they called her mother. The mother, of course, like, as you would expect her to, said, is my daughter okay? And the teacher said, she's right here and she looks okay. And then the mother said, okay, well, how much did she drink? <laughs> <laughs> So I guess that is I, a respectable response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was definitely a lapse in 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 something that I'm that was allowed to happen. Handle her liquor. Right, yeah. She learned early. She learned early. Yeah. You gotta uh, teach him young. Well, anyway, I, I thought that was a, a a very interesting. I started to say a great story, and then that sounds so wrong to say. Oh, uh, so. I do want to point out that this uh, this beer does play nice with the uh, last mezcal. With the last mezcal, really. This is the uh, Nucano. Um, uh -huh. uh, very interesting. All right. Uh, is there any more of that beer left? Yes. Pour me a little and let me try that. That's good. That's good just to taste it. I just tried my last sip of that mezcal after having that. Mm -hmm. it's, it actually plays really nice. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'm going to check that out while we take a quick break. Uh, we will be back. Still a lot to talk about, including the winners of te te uh, 
tequila. I started to say <laughs> that's mezcal and tequila combined. That's mezquila. Uh, the winners of uh, for mezcal and tequila at the San Francisco International Spirit Awards. We'll talk about that. And uh, of course, we're not that far away now from the actual drinking news. Stand by. It's smoking and toasting. Everyone's favorite pop. <laughs> Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. We are the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are drinking some fine spirits today. I can tell you that. Uh, it's Cinco de Mayo. Liliana has brought uh, mezcals and other agave spirits, and we're going to do some more sampling here. I will tell you that, uh, speaking of these type of spirits, uh, the basically the Oscars of booze is the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It's have, uh, it happens every year. Started only, It only started in 2000. I didn't realize it was that young. Uh, but it started in 2000, and it's the longest-running spirits competition in North America and the largest of its kind anywhere. Judges award bronze, silver, and gold medals through a multi-day blind-tasting process. How do I sign up for that job? Yeah, right. Uh, with the coveted double gold, referring to entries that receive a gold medal rating by every single member of the panel. So you can get a gold if your scores average out to be high enough to be a gold. But to get a double gold, every single person on the panel has to give you the gold thumbs up. Wow. So that's a that's a, a pretty cool spirit. Uh, for the Agave Spirits categories this year, there were 111 Blancos, 91 Reposados, 69 Añejos, 31 Extra Añejos, mm. and 20 Flavored Tequilas, and 102 entries for Mezcal. So right away, there were there were more mezcals entered into this competition than the reposados or the añejos or the extra añejos, mm-hmm. which is, tells you a little something about how much mezcal is exploding yeah, right now it's as, as, a, as a spirit. Huge so, all right, so let me tell you what they uh, what they awarded for blanc the blanco category, which is the unaged tequila, uh, tequila ocho blanco, uh, carteza blanco. Uh, I'm sorry. Certeza Blanco. Uh, I don't think I've had that. Have you ha- ever had no. Certeza? Uh, I've had Tequila Ocho, but I don't think it was the Blanco. I think I had a, a different um, a, a different aging of that. Uh, El Tequileno uh, Platinum, <coughs> Serpiente Blanco, and Calla de Oro. Those were the Blancos that were awarded the gold. In the Reposado category, there were three. Don Nacho Extra Premium Reposado, Sincoro Reposado, I've had that one. And yeah. Lobos 1707. And Reposado. I've had that one too. Only yeah. had Sincoro. Only had Sincoro. How, is, it, is it good? Is it, yeah. is it yeah. worthy uh-huh. of this kind of an yeah. award? It's she really like, good. She agrees with that me. That one, I had the 170. I think it was the 1707. 1707? Yeah, yeah, I've had that one as well, and it's really good. And and in the Reposado. I, yep. so I'm a li- I, I've discovered that when I'm in mm-hmm. the store buying tequila, I'm a little bit of a tequila snob. I have a tendency to move past the Blancos and Reposados most of the time mm-hmm. and go for the Añejos. I just like that extra aging. Uh, but there are some really, really fine Reposados. I'll admit, I buy the big jug of El Amo yeah. Reposado mm-hmm. to make margaritas with. That's yeah. my favorite tequila for margaritas. Yeah. And plus you can get it at a really reasonable price. 
and uh, and the big jug lasts a while because mm-hmm. we can put down some margaritas at my house. But uh, in the Añejo category, uh, three winners here: Black Sheep Añejo, which I don't think I've ever even I don't seen. Think I've had that. Uh, Don Julio Seventy Añejo yeah. Claro. Yeah. Uh, I have had that. It's wonderful. It I don't is. have a bottle of it. And Siempre Añejo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had that too. I, I haven't had the Siempre Añejo, but I will say I've had their Blanco, and it's wonderful for mm-hmm. an unaged tequila. Just what, to, what I couldn't understand is why they decided to make Añejos now look clear. See, it, that, it, yeah, that, the crystallinos, right? It's very misleading because that's how this bottle yeah. is. Like, you right. see and you're I just like, um, are yeah. you sure this isn't mislabeled? No, you're, the you're 100% right. And and there, that is a real trend, though, in tequila. There was a the trend in the early 90s where everything had to be clear, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and everything had to be clear like and Pepsi? then a gel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Pepsi. Thankfully, I don't think they ever came out with a Pepsi gel. That sounds disgusting. Oh, my gosh. Uh, in the Extra Añejo uh, category, uh, Extra Añejo Califino, Rancho Sierra Mar, and Etreo mm-hmm. Extra Añejo. I have not had any of those three. I've had the Rancho, and it's really good, too. It's a high price okay. point, but it's really good. She's just, ahead of us. I'm just going to say, I'm a little jealous. I thought you'd come to my house to drink tequila. You started this. Oh. <laughs> it's just greatly. It's true. It's just evolved. You made me. <laughs> exactly. You started um, this, and it's just evolved. All right, so here are the mezcals that uh, were awarded the gold. Los Vecinos del Campo. Montelobos, Mezcal Vago, Magia, 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 thank you, uh, La Luna, and Raumen. Hmm. Any of those uh, are you familiar with? No? no. Okay. There's so many out there. Yeah. And and there's so many popping up too. Mm-hmm. Like yes. It's such a new market, I think. About so, 70 new brands are. Showing yeah. up wow. in the U.S., like we still don't have totally all of them. Thing. And wow. I will mention something in. Yeah. I, and I, I will say at the the big specs where I like to shop, which is down in Midtown on Smith Street mm-hmm. here in Houston, which is That's one of the good bigger. It was one of the bigger uh, spirit stores I've ever been in. There was sandwich from their deli there. Oh my god, it's incredible! So, yeah, so it's good, incredible. <laughs> and and their wine selection is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Need to put that in my back it's pocket. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, but. When I go there to shop for tequila, I go to the aisle they call Mexico Way. Uh. And uh, (laughs) it used to be that one side of that aisle was all tequila. The other side was a little bit of mezcal and then, like, think mixers for margaritas and stuff. Now, when you go down Mexico Way, at my favorite specs, one half of the left side of the aisle... All the way to the middle of it is all mezcal now. And then tequila is now the second half of that and the entirety of the other side. So that's how much tequila Tequila and mezcal have exploded in terms of what's available and what's out there. And I kind of go in and it really is the kid in the candy store with me because I just, my eyes kind of glaze over. The market's changing a little bit. Like you see that larger mezcal. Uh, and tequila section in most mm-hmm. places, people are trying buying that. There's uh, in, in a lot of places around here. They have uh, if if they have a big whiskey selection, they'll have a Texas whiskey section. Right, too. absolutely right. They can be pretty substantial. And it, it, the the same specs, one whole aisle, both sides of their beer section, 
yeah. is not just Texas, but uh, well, local. actually, it is Texas. Yeah. It starts local and then it does other uh, Texas cities. But that there's just a huge amount of distilling and uh, and uh, brewing that's happening in every region. And sometimes when I'm you know on the web looking for things that we might want to talk about on this show, you'll see stories from cities that you would have no idea have a huge craft beer or distilling scene it's yeah. really it's really kind of crazy so anyway congratulations to the winners um you can find the article that i cited at a website called insidehook.com if you want to go and take a look at that and uh try some of these tequilas or mezcals uh for yourself so tell me about what we're trying here okay Liliana. excellent this is another drink it's not called mezcal, it's called raicilla. Raicilla Can, can is, I point out one thing real quick? Mm -hmm. This yes. has almost a vinegary kind of nose to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. sort of shirt. So it's interesting that she said because it's so different on the nose than the other ones. I'm sorry, go ahead. It started as a mezcal years ago, 500 years ago. But in the 1700s, the Spanish crown started uh, imposing a lot of taxes on villages and this this particular drink raicilla was made is made in the Sierra Occidental Occidental Sierra of Jalisco and um, the agave is called agave maximiliana interestingly the natives just changed the name they started <laughs> calling calling it raicilla Mm. But it was a mezcal at one point a long time ago. And huh. is, isn't, correct me if I'm not getting this right, but mezcal is a large, a broader name for agave spirits, right? Yes. So technically it would still be a mezcal, but they are calling it raicilla. And mm -hmm. now that is what it's known for. The, it has a lot of wonderful information on the bottle. Um, it's tell you, it, tell, it tells you the type of agave, the state, the region. The oven they use is above ground. This is another slight difference. Oh, it's made of adobe. Yeah, because you were saying that it's normally under, for mezcal, it's, it's all in the ground uh -huh. with rocks. Yeah. And then they use black oak as fuel. Uh, fermentation, they do it in oak bats. The yeast that they use is a wild type. It's not commercial. And the steel is a stainless steel uh, alambic. Interestingly, it's a hybrid steel that was made between the Filipinos and the Egyptians. Huh. That's no. another so difference. So in the overall process of like distilling, fermentation, is that different than what they do with traditional mezcal? Like, so why is it so? It has a, it's a completely, completely different. different. Is it completely it's, different? It's a different? Like a different plant. Night? It's a different plant, and it's a diff the cooking takes place above ground. And again, but it, this was originally a mezcal. Okay. It's now that it's called. Uh, can, can I just say, please, uh -huh. cookie dough with black pepper, <laughs> which doesn't <laughs> seem like a good combination, it's, but this it is. is so bizarrely good. Mm -hmm. Like mm. I get cookie dough on it and some chocolate and and black pepper. Yes, I, I totally get what you're saying, Liliana. Let me ask you this: um, uh, You want to show it? It's called oh. la venenosa, the poisonous. La venenosa, the and poisonous. And let me tell you an interesting. <laughs> it's like sweet lime in there. Almost. I know. Like, That's why it's like mm -hmm. you get like sweet, like almost like yeah, like cookie dough, milk, chocolate, but then you have that really and, pungent. And Citrus mm -hmm. <laughs> in the, the after in the aftertaste. In their website, they actually have a warning. It says, 
drink la venenosa among friends that you trust. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be a good warning for any uh, spirit, but I totally get it. Now, uh, so let me ask you this. All of this information that you just gave us on this mm -hmm. is fascinating. Did you discover that information and then sink out, uh, seek out the spirit? Or did you look at it, say, this looks interesting, and then do research on it after the fact? No. Um, last year or the year before, because I remember I, I began to take the course to become a, catador, a special yes, catador for tequilas. I know. It's I exciting. started looking at different information sources, and I saw some videos. And some people in Guadalajara were presenting some different spirits, and I took notes. So mm -hmm. in addition to Raicilla, there's another one that I can find in the United States. But by the way, Raicilla um, is um, $68. It's like, mm -hmm. this is so fascinating to me. It's like cookie dough with chocolate and lime, and there's a saltiness to it. And it's just such an incredibly interesting. I've never had anything like this. And to be honest, mm -hmm. when you say that, it doesn't sound like it would and be that good. black pepper on the finish. But it but works. But it is delicious. Mm -hmm. it, it works. Really is. It sounds actually it like it totally not a good combo. I, I was just about to say, <clears throat> it may be, but it, it doesn't come across that way. It comes mm -hmm. across smoother like it's not as strong mm -hmm. as the others. I know in spirits, smooth is, is mm -hmm. not necessarily a good word. But it goes down a bit easier than the other two that, that we've had, I think. And I feel like as we keep going down the line, they're getting less and less smoky on the nose and in the taste. Well, yes, definitely the smokiest one uh, we <laughs> was had the first was, one. was the first one. I'd yeah. be interested to revisit that at the end of the uh, show and see if that smokiness still stands up because in, it could be palate shock too. Yeah. If, you, if mm -hmm. you just want more mezcal, I'm sure <laughs> that Liliana will let you have yes. some. Everything <laughs> so. for my friends. It's Cinco de Mayo we're sharing this today. this particular um, uh, brand of Raicilla was created by a chef called Esteban Morales. And it's a little, you know, down again in the, in the, on the coast no, not on the coast, I'm sorry, on the Sierra Madre okay. Occidental mm -hmm. of Jalisco. So there, there, there's so many wonderful things. Mm -hmm. Can I mention the one I couldn't find just to... Sure. Finish? Okay. We'll, there's also, we'll be on the lookout for it. And the other one to look for is called Bacanora. Bacanora. Bacanora is the traditional drink of the state of Sonora, and it's made with agave pacifica. Does the, does the name's right. similarity to the word bacanal uh, mean something? Is that on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And as, this is, again, another old drink, and but in November 2000, receive a denomination of origin. That means that only the state of Sonora can make hmm. bacanora. Uh, I saw it on the web, but it's not available in the U.S. So mm. that's something to look for. The agave takes about eight years, the agave pacifica, eight mm -hmm. years to mature. And um, they also use an underground oven, like some of the mezcal. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they use river water. River water. For the fermentation. And, oh, wow. Uh -huh. mm. So, and it is two, twice distilled. So it's so, well, th this um, the three that we have tasted so far 
and this is what I find so interesting because I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought this coming in, are all so very different from so each other. Different. You know, and that's that's just fascinating to me because you do find that with tequilas, although I think you find probably more similarities than you do differences. differences yeah. Uh, but but here the differences are just like wild. You can, however, kind of taste the family resemblance, so to speak. Oh, it's agave. There's you no tell, question you about can tell it. Tell it's yeah. all coming from the same idea, but it's vastly reimagined in every case. Can I just say what a wonderful idea it is? It's a really wonderful idea. Yep. Tequilas, I feel like they're brothers and sisters, but mezcals, I feel like they're like second and third cousins. Second and third cousins. <laughs> and some of them are a little weird, but exactly. you like having them around anyway, right? Now, let exactly. me tell you something. There is a concern. We're talking about this abundance of, of drinks based on tequila plants that the plants, you know, they use these plantations and they, cl they clone the same plant over mm -hmm. and over and over and over. But now some plants have the defects and genetic right, from defects. this whole process so yeah. one thing that mexico is encouraging now is that they leave a high proportion of the plants on touch let them reproduce and they take you know, years the to grow the poly yeah, yeah eight to mm -hmm. twelve years the pollinators Oof. are mm -hmm. bats for the agave plants. No kidding. Yes. I so see, I've been, that. That's crazy. I've been so pissed <laughs> off at bats since COVID-19, but now I'm going to have to rethink that yes. if they're involved in the pollination of agave. So they they asking all these uh, campesinos and the people who farm and create these, these lands with plantations to encourage diversity by letting some of the plants propagate propagate yeah. Yeah. by yeah, them so instead of just getting the little clones the little pups right. that grow underneath each agave because I well, think I think though when you have a small batch uh industry like like some of these I think that a lot of the people that drink these uh these different expressions are probably going to be fine and even very accepting of the fact that each time you buy one it might be slightly different right it doesn't yes. have to be the it's same it's the artisanal because nature the of it plants right? might be different and as we're gonna talk a little bit later some plants are just collected from the wild yeah and so. and my thought is you know if you want the same same every single time that the big companies are great at that that's what they do right their consistency but right. one of the reasons you go to a spirit like this is to get those variations. We're seeing a little bit of that in the cigar world as well. You're yeah. seeing more and more companies releasing these very limited releases of a particular cigar, and they use a very specific tobacco that was only available in a certain quantity, and that's why there's not more of it. That's why it was so exciting when Oliva decided they were going to uh, put out more of that that special release because we were like, I, I figured they'd probably used up all the tobacco already. <clears throat> so it was nice to know they had uh, some of it left. But, you know, farming is one of those things where art and science really do intersect. And so is obviously distilling and brewing and blending of cigars. There's a lot of science involved, but there's also a certain art to being able to do it. And when when art is involved, things aren't always gonna come out exactly the same every time. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of the uh, But that's part, part of the, the celebration. Yeah. And that's okay. It's part of what makes it, so it makes wonderful. It unique. Yeah. And and let me tell you one other category for mezcals. We talk artisanals, right? There's one category called uh, 
ancient or ancient. Ancient. And that's gonna be given to a factory or a little mom and pop operation that has had it for at least five generations and they still don't use any automation that everything's, yeah. And so that's one. Then you have other mezcals that we're not gonna taste here. We have three types. The Minero, which is the one that comes out of the distillation process, mm -hmm. is the f nothing else mm -hmm. except whatever mm -hmm. flavors were created with the cooking and all that. You have the Curados. That's an interesting thing I saw in Oaxaca. Sometimes the last step, which is the f for the distillation on the steel, on top of it, they wire a chicken breast a turkey breast or a piece of a rabbit so that when wow. the mezcal is ev evaporates with the heat and then turns into a liquid again in the distillation process, it has a different flavor. <laughs> they call of course curado, it would, yeah. curado de pollo, curado de pavo, which right, is turkey. Which, yeah. And then there's a third classification they call them avocados like avocado but with b as in okay. bo, no, avocado avocado means they add herbs fruits seeds and oh, something so they do the same thing else. where they let yes. it pass through the yeah wow, that's i haven't cool. seen any of those here one one of the things i love about mexico is that if there's a little mom and pop operation that's distilling uh, you know an agave spirit Chances are it's going to be fabulous. As opposed to here in the U.S., if your cousin Clem has his own little uh, distillery out in the back of the barn, chances are that's not going to be fabulous. I've, I've tasted a few of those, yeah. and, and sometimes it's real bad. Yeah, Sometimes it's only bad. Right. Sometimes right. it's sometimes real it's bad. real bad, exactly. And that was what kept me from home brewing for so long, because the first few people I knew that did home brewing – and offered me a chance to taste their wares. It was not good. It was not good at all. But there is some great work being done by home brewers now. And uh, so I still admire you for being able to do that. Is the general term moonshine for all those operations? Here That's in what the I US? call it. Yeah. That's what I call it. Moonshine. Yeah. If you're if you're making it in your backyard, we can just call it moonshine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. Uh, this is absolutely not moonshine. This is. Uh, from a brewery just a little to the north of us this here is from in Southern Conroe, Texas. Star in Conroe, yeah. Texas. Uh, and this is the Metzli. This is so. This is pecan a pecan stout. stout. I'm used to pecan porters, but pecan stouts a, a, a different. Is, a, a I different assume. Thing. I mean, the artwork on here is very cool as well. Yeah, very it's, much. It's in, like uh, in, the Tin in Man line for uh, for Cinco de Mayo. It's like the Tin Man from uh, mm. uh, from <laughs> the Wizard of Oz, and then done with. A very Mexican Co style. Yeah, compare if that's the same god that we saw here. Back on over the, here, is it on, the same guy? It looks like they they're related like they at the very least. Oh, it's it's very similar. Yeah, here. You found your fourth cousin. Yeah. No, they're different. <laughs> different. Yeah. Same same kind of same kind of energy and and uh, and, and style. vibe to them. But yeah. remember, the main <clears throat> goddess for mezcal is a, is a female. Mm -hmm. Her name is Maya Well. And Maya they, Well? Maya Well. All and one she, word? She, she was the mother of 400 drunk rabbits. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the rabbits will come oh from the moon to the earth 
to inject their uh, li wonderful liquid inside the agave plants. Boy, that would be that would be the grandmother you would want to hang out with. You know what I mean? She had uh, 400 drunk night. <laughs> I thought my college experience was crazy. <laughs> oh man! Well, this is uh, this is quite good. More mm. understated than I expected. Your thoughts, Ian? I like it. Um, it's more bitter than I expected it to be. Yeah. Well, pecans can be very bitter. Yes, yeah, and very astringent, especially if you get a little piece of the shell in there mm -hmm. with it, or that little fibrous stuff that goes between the pecans themselves. What do you think, Brianna? Does this work for you? I would never buy this. Okay. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. It's just, it wasn't what I was expecting, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I wanted it to be a little more full-bodied. Right. The bitterness is, like, really, really intense. Um, I don't even really catch any of the pecan. So the pecan... Mm -hmm. It's, it's misleading. Take, take a deep breath. Take a sip of that. It has a lot and of... And then gently breathe out of your nose after you take a sip. Okay. It has a swallow. lot of sediment. Yes. Why? Yes, it does. It's just unfiltered. So it's it's no big deal. It's just unfiltered. Okay, I so can see it there. The pecan I can see in it this, there. it occurs to me, is not pecan pie. Like uh, you know, we're right, in Texas. Let's sweet... face it. If I say pecan, you're thinking of two things. You're thinking of either roasted salted pecans or the chocolate covered roasted salted ones that you get at Bucky's, which are awesome. <laughs> which are the amazing. <laughs> Best thing that's ever been invented. I think you could start a religion around those. Got some of those in my fridge. <laughs> Or you're thinking pecan pie, and you're thinking that real pecan sweetness. Right. And this is neither molasses, of those yeah. things. This is dry, like, fresh-shelled pecan. It reminds me, when I was a kid, uh, we had pecan trees on our property where I grew up. Yeah. And I would help my mom, like, you know, harvest them once they fell off the trees. And then she would sit in the kitchen and crack the pecans and put them away so that we could have them, you know, during the winter and, and all that stuff. And this... Flavor reminds me of what that smelled that like. Fresh when she pecan, was in the kitchen, very different doing those from pecans. a roasted pecan. Oh, absolutely! First yeah. off, that meat has kind of a young green mm -hmm. uh, kind of flavor and some astringency to it. And this, I think, is going more towards that than it is going towards our traditional stop out of road and get some roasted pecans. Which, now, by I the was, way, in yeah. the rest of the country, I don't think you can do that. I think that's here, where I'm getting you it should from. Stop. I was expecting more like the 512 pecan porter. And right, this which is, is not that's what I was. That's what I was expecting immediately, and, and it's way, so bitter, and it's for, nothing like for that. For anyone who has never tried that, that is an amazing beer. We've had it on the show Did before. Did we do the double pecan on the show? Yes, the one that, that came in the big bottle. Oh, oh my god, baby, that's good stuff. Yeah. Baby, that's good stuff. Yes. All right. Well, um, I'm pretty uh, pretty impressed uh, with uh, everything that we've tasted so far, and we have a little more to go. We have uh, what is in this blue bottle, oh, Liliana? That we'll get to in the next segment. Oh, we have a lot of stories to tell. Uh, um, this I love is stories. Texas Sotol. Texas Sotol. So uh -huh. you can actually do. Uh, agave spirits not in Mexico. You can't do tequila, right? Well, you cannot do tequila, you cannot do mezcal, and you cannot do sotol, so I don't know. But I'll tell you the story. All right. I can't, and can't it wait. might be to just be to have peace and not to start a revolution. And find, <laughs> you know, Texas was part of Mexico so That's many true. years ago. That's true. Maybe this it. is a peace offering uh -huh. between the two areas. You, you know? want me to get started? No, actually, no. we'll do it in the next segment. Just and next uh, segment. Ian's going to open it up while we take a break. We'll be back with drinking news and drinking Satol. Okay. Coming up on Smoking a Toaster. <laughs> 
I know you did it for me. You were like, Bree, I need to record you. And I was like, okay. And you're like, say, I need to take my gear to the vet. And I was like, what? And you're like, just say it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, welcome back into Smoking the Toasting. Show number 281. That has us officially halfway to 300. That's right. Yeah. And we're thrilled to be there. We'll, we'll be uh, working on some big plans for our 300th episode. And before we even get there, we're going to do a, a, a smoking and toasting special at Alan Denny's house. So I'm looking forward to that, Ooh. too. Yeah, a lot of good things to come here. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, being with us uh, for Cinco de Mayo as we talk about agave spirits, Mexican spirits, uh, drink some interesting beers. And, of course, no edition of Smoking and Toasting these days would be complete without this segment called Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a cater for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take the cater to the bed. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. And okay, that was my, my favorite guest gator line. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, well, here at Drinking News, we do our best to cover the weird and unusual things that happen around our country and around the world. But we are, despite what you might think by our high-tech Drinking News theme song and handsome announcer, not exactly working with a large budget here. <laughs> if we were, I'd love to get our own Drinking News helicopter. Uh, in addition to making it easier for us to cover stories as they happen, it'd be kind of fun just to buzz the houses of people like our own tobacco expert, Alan Denny, and get close enough so we could read the big drinking news painted on the side of the chopper. Uh, that, would, that, would, that would be, I'd be bitching. Uh, uh, but lack of budget isn't the only thing that stops us from getting a helicopter. There's the additional fact that I do not know how to fly one. And, They're uh, very complicated. Yeah, and and I, I try to make it a policy not to spend a buttload of money on things that I don't know how to use <laughs> unless they're you know really easy to learn. So that same reasoning doesn't seem to apply to everyone, however. A Florida man... We already know this is going to be good. <laughs> a Florida man recently spent 704 thousand dollars at an auction i wish i had one of those to purchase a 2006 <laughs> heritage edition ford gt supercar complete with racing stripes and racing numbers on the doors and he said about driving it around his community in boca raton now if you've got seven hundred and four thousand dollars I suppose you should be allowed to spend it on anything that you want to. Right. You could spend it on 21 days in a presidential suite at the Hotel Cala de Volpine in beautiful uh, Costa... Uh, I have trouble with this word. Costa Smeralda in Uruguay. You could buy at least seven rare Pokemon cards. <laughs> you could rent the Quasi Amusement Park in Middlebury, Connecticut for a week just for you and your friends. You can even hire your own personal on-call chef for the next seven years or have lunch with four or five of your favorite politicians. That's, of course, assuming that you have four or five favorite <laughs> I politicians. I put an asterisk on that. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, but Florida resident Robert J. Guarini, who is 50 years old, 
spent his 704000 on a beautiful street-legal <laughs> racing car. And as you might guess, there was one glaring problem. The 2006 Heritage Edition Ford GT Supercar has a standard transmission, and this particular Florida man did not know how to drive a stick shift. Oh. That's a... You see this coming, right? That's unfortunate. Guarini told police that he lost control after downshifting while leaving his housing development around 6 p.m. one evening last week. A police report says this naturally led to a head-on collision with a pine tree. A palm tree. I'm sorry. No, it's not pine trees in Florida. Palm tree. Uh, though the police report says that Guarini told officers the crash was caused by ex- inexperience with the manual transmission, the Ford GT owner told Rodent Track over the phone that there was more to this event. <clears throat> Guarini claims old tires, muddy pavement, and a fresh detailing were all factors causing the 550-horsepower supercar to swing out and hit a tree. The driver also told Roden Track that the crash occurred as he shifted up into second gear from first, not while downshifting, like the official report says. I don't want people to think I was racing at 90 miles per hour, Guarini says. I was going 35 miles per hour. From the police report, it's actually unclear if speed played a role in the crash. The police, uh, the the photos that we're showing, rather, uh, indicates that while the damage is limited to the front third of the car, the hit was substantial enough that it triggered multiple airbags, <coughs> disabled the vehicle, and caused the GT to slide far enough after hitting the tree that it actually blocked a nearby sidewalk. Guarini was issued a citation for driving with a suspended license and a warning for operating an unregistered vehicle. The 50-year-old claims that his license suspension was due to an unrelated Department of Motor Vehicles clerical error, which I'm sure is totally true. Uh, so, you know, let today's Florida Man story be a cautionary tale, my friends. Spend your money wisely. Maybe set aside a few extra bucks to pay someone to teach you how to drive a stick shift in a case like this. And even then, here at Drinking News, we can offer some very, very good advice regarding a special feature of cars like the 2006 Heritage Edition Ford GT. It has a manual transmission, of course. And you may already be familiar with some of the special features of the engine. But allow us to call your attention to a special lever that you may be able to use to help you if you are, shall we say, careening towards a large palm tree. I've always wanted to use the word careening in a a drinking news story. You know, if careening is involved, the end is never good. (laughs) Today Uh, was your day. But there's a special lever that you may want to look for. It's located on the driver's side floorboard, and it's next to the accelerator. It's called a brake. Learn it. Know how to use it. It could save an innocent palm tree one day. Its primary function is deceleration. uh, Reporting from Florida, where airbags have been deployed. My name is Cruz, and that is your... (laughs) Drinking news. (laughs) Drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. All right, thank you for being a part of that. We appreciate it. Um, I, I continue to marvel at how Drinking News is the most popular segment of the program. <laughs> I, I don't understand it at all, but some things were probably not. It's all about the song. I think it really, is. That's what does I it. do think that it is. Our high-tech drinking news song. You know, I would like to say hello to two special people. Can I do Please that? Please do, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, the first hello goes to our friend Bruce Stark. 
Uh, He's a wonderful friend. Yes, we became friends now on Facebook, and <laughs> I love awesome. his posting about her new kitty cat. And you know, I love cats. So, hello, Bruce. And the second special person I want to say hello to, who is your fan too and watches the show every week, is my husband, Mike Craycraft. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Cheers to you. I love Cheers, that. Yes. Cheers to <laughs> you guys. And, uh, and Bruce, we are, uh, we are always honored to have you uh, watching and chiming in on the comments, even though I understand Facebook now charges you like special stars or something to comment on. Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. Uh, like, you know, the, the real problem that we're facing in this country is that Mark Zuckerberg isn't rich enough. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Neither is Bill Gates apparently. Yeah, apparently. Well, he's a lot less rich than he used to be. Yeah. About half, about halfway. So. And Elon just pulled out a lot of money to buy. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the world's richest are, uh, you know, just getting richer. This uh, smells like dirt right. in the best way possible. So let me ask you, Liliana, <laughs> okay. b- before we partake, um, what makes a beverage a satol, as opposed to a mezcal or? Very tequila? good question. The plant that is made from is it used to be classified as an agave but with new taxonomy the mm-hmm. the the name didn't change but now they're not agaves they're on the nolinacea family so it's the so same plant as before but now that we've got so many different iterations and and we yeah. know so much more about it this has been reclassified yes this plant is called daisy lirion and in mexico there is a daisy lirion weber eye or desert spoon mm-hmm. and this particular drink sotol is the state drink for three states in mexico chihuahua and then there's also uh, Coahuila and Durango. Okay. So and it's the state drink of those three states. The states. But interestingly, a few years ago, there were three students at UT Austin pursuing a master's in business administration. So they had to come up with a project that could be sustainable. And then they had to find sponsors to make it the whole process. Well, they selected Sotol. Let's make Sotol. But they use a different plant. It's called Deisilirion texanum. It's slightly different. And interestingly, they won, you know, the first first place in class. Nice. And then they started their company in, in Drift, Drift, Driftwood, Texas. And so that's their, what this Sotol is. Desert yes, Texas, Door, Texas Sotol. Texas Sotol. Mm-hmm. And, and made in Driftwood, Texas. Yeah. Very interesting peculiarities (laughs) about this drink. They don't have a plantation. They collect the plants from the wild. The Desilirion, yes. And And where does this plant grow in the wild? uh, In Chihuahua. Okay, in in the states that you mentioned, right? And also in Texas. Uh, Also in Texas, okay. Also in Texas. So the plants are wild harvested. And then another interesting thing about the Sotols, Mm -hmm. the Sotol plants... Um, is that they use only three quarters of the piña to make the, the, the steel product. They, they save a quarter and then they replant it. So you can replant just a quarter of the piña, oh, and, and, and it, it will, will grow, a, grow a new a new, a new plant. plant. Oh, mm-hmm. Like a lot of uh, cactus are like that, right? You break right. Off and you're oh. you're a cactus uh, uh, aficionado, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I have been a member of the Houston Cactus and Succulent Society since 1990, and wow. also I belong to the 
uh, Cactus Society of America. Wow, that's, uh-huh. that's so I'm going to cool. be a speaker, awesome. actually, in Texas, in Austin, in October. Uh-huh. Uh, about cactus? Well, no, we're going to talk about this. Oh. But uh, it's going to be with PowerPoint That's and a lot awesome. of details. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting with a celebrity. And I talked to the guys. I talked to what co- corresponded Ted to talks. one of the guys Seriously. that owns that this, this the factory. Mm-hmm. And he said, welcome to visit us anytime. So if you're wow. in San Antonio or Austin, and definitely I'm going to go nice. and visit these guys. Uh, congratulations to them because they won a, a gold award in Denver in 2020 oh, in, so a, in an international spirits competition. So now, I'm sorry, go wh- ahead. and again, we don't know the Mexican government or the councils or for Sotol, they haven't bothered them. And I guess that's all right. They call it Texas Sotol. They, they, they do say Texas Sotol. Sotol. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe the designation is enough. Yeah. Well, when I put this to my nose, I want you to, like, so here in Texas, especially in Houston, but you'll, you'll get this a lot in Texas, when you walk outside and it's bright sunshine, mm-hmm. and it's a hot summer, bright, sunshiny day, but it's raining. We had to deal While like it's that. bright sunshine. Yeah. I'm not joking. Like, yeah, this, is, it this is a thing that happens quite often. Uh, and sometimes it'll be raining in the front yard and uh-huh. not in the backyard. Right. <laughs> but that's it's <laughs> that's not but unique to your house, a, by the way. <laughs> on a very hot summer day when the rain comes down and it hits the pavement and then it stops raining, mm-hmm. you get this smell from the earth and uh, and that fresh rain and everything like that. When you put your nose in this, yeah. it's mm-hmm. that smell, that, yep. cause that very mineral, that very earth, that very... Uh, Lemongrass. That's the way some people Mm -hmm. have described it. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, um, uh, Desert Spoon makes, they make two different, um, mm, I forgot, proof. Uh, 80 proof, which is what Mm -hmm. we're tasting, but they also have a 100 proof. And they age that, uh, I think, for about a year. Interesting. Super interested. This is super good, too. It it really is. And I'm going to try to describe this without sound ridiculous it has two finishes mm. uh, when you when you taste it you get the initial taste and then that middle of the palate and then you swallow it and you immediately get this finish and then a few seconds later you get another one are you there's, experiencing that there's a little vanilla in the finish mm-hmm. a little sweetness that, that mm-hmm. goes on there that second finish especially almost like a vanilla and marshmallow uh, it's incredibly interesting. This is fascinating. Remember when I said it smells mm-hmm. like dirt in the best way possible? This mm-hmm. is very earthy and very wonderful. Yes, very very earthy. And I totally get the yeah. rainwater thing you were talking about, rain on the pavement. Two more pieces of information that are very interesting related to Sotol. Um, it takes 15 years for the plant to be ready. Wow. And, and it takes one whole plant per bottle. So wow. one whole wow. plant mm-hmm. per bottle and 15 years until the plant is ready. Yeah. Is this lot. something that grows all over the place? South like Texas. It grows yes. rather plentiful. Yeah. And the, the desert of Chihuahua, mm-hmm. which part of it is in Mexico and part of it is in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that this is not really expensive, an expensive drink. This was only $39. Interesting. So, Liliana, you said that they harvest these from the wild. Yes. Does that mean that 
the flavor of this might vary from batch also to batch? Also depending yeah. where the conditions, but mm -hmm. we, we realize, we probably can realize that the South Desert, it, it, it might be the same, right? The, mm -hmm. the conditions and the rainfall, yeah. they right. might be I'm similar. Right, sure I'm sure it would have to be similar for the plants to grow, but mm -hmm. there's going to be enough micro differences that I uh, wonder mm -hmm. if it, how much it would change the, the flavor you of mean the or juice. If they're growing on top of a rock or versus, right, yeah. Right. Fascinating. I got to start growing There's agave. There's almost a kiss of mint <laughs> at the very end of this. Too. Yes, mm -hmm. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Very, it's, uh, it's, it's every single spirit we have tried so far today has been radically different from the others. Yes. Okay. And to be honest, my expectations was the other way. That they would all have Be striking similar. similarities, mm -hmm. no. and and it's mm -hmm. just everything has been so different, and it really is teaching me about the the broad and fascinating world of all these spirits. Because you're going to get a lot of different experiences from one to the other. You know, when when you mm -hmm. taste bourbons, for example, sure they're different, but they all kind of taste like bourbon in a in a real yeah. cohesive way. Right. Uh, this these are so different it almost seems it's almost surprising they're all made from uh, one form or another of agave you know yeah. so can they be considered so like just like me and adam we went to um big ben and we where we were staying we saw these huge agave plants i mean like huge mm -hmm. can they make tequila here from them or is it not considered tequila no they not? cannot yeah. make tequila because yeah. it's wow. not agave tequilana you can, now the, you the, can make a spirit but you can't put the Pick label tequila, right? tequila on it. Google uh, desert spoon plant, the daisy lidion. It, it will look different than mm -hmm. than the agaves. Mm -hmm. The agaves, you know, are so typical with their older, like. Yes, because we went because mm -hmm. the uh, the where we stayed, um, the people there gave us a full history about Big Ben, the area, their property. Um, the little cities and stuff nearby, and then Adam asked him because Adam's like a huge plant guru. Like he'd see <laughs> yeah. something and be like, "Oh, this is a this and this and this plant." Um, but he's like, "Oh, are these agaves?" And they're like, "Oh yeah," and they were huge. I've never seen one that big besides whenever we went to Mexico um, mm -hmm. in Zihuatanejo, but it was beautiful. It definitely seems like a prime subject to make some tequila out of, but mm -hmm. I guess it's not labeled tequila. Yeah, Mexico <laughs> has more than 200 different species of agaves. Mm -hmm. oh, and it's wow. the country in the world that has the most. When we were staying uh, outside of Zihuantanejo, I was looking at all those agave plants wondering, how can I get one of these back on the plane with me? <laughs> right. How can I take one of these home? That would be so oh, awesome. I have some agaves at home. Yeah? Yeah, and are I they, have an agave Are they agave difficult tequila. to grow? No, they're not, but I had a beautiful webbed eye that it was large and gorgeous, but mm -hmm. then they're prone to develop a weevil uh, a, a, yeah, uh -huh. that goes yep. underground yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, it rottens the uh, yeah, Nobody likes the a weevil. Right now I have a tequilana <laughs> growing yeah. in the front, but it doesn't look very good. Hmm. We'll see. Interesting. All right, we are going to take a break. Uh, oh, no, we can't take a break yet because we haven't tried the beer. No, we, we did. did. No, we did nope. try the beer. No, no. Yeah. The, the beer. Have you been drinking, no. sir? We have one left on the last. <laughs> no, but we have we, we have the other beer. Did I hand you the monkey beer? And oh, you did. He did. Oh. This beer. That's yeah. what I was talking about. <laughs> have I been drinking, <laughs> sir? <laughs> <laughs> have you been drinking, sir? I think we all have been I think drinking. We Do we have any more uh, cups left? Uh, yes, I will grab some for you right here. Stand by. Uh, and tell us about this beer while you open it. 
have I I'm right. You you were on top of us. The uh, <laughs> Manhattan Project Beer Company. This is Wise Monkeys. It has the the Speak No Evil monkey on the front. Which I always thought was the coolest of the No Evil Monkeys. You know, he doesn't have his hands over his eyes or his ears. He can still <laughs> take everything in. He just can't comment on it. You know, that's the Speak No Evil Monkey. Uh, so he's my favorite of the three. Um, so this is a, a beer from a brewery in Dallas, Texas. It is called the Manhattan Project Beer Company. Of course, you guys all know what Manhattan Project means. Uh, but it is a uh, it is a very successful little uh, brewery. And all of their cans have that kind of understated design like this one has, even though there's a monkey on it. Um, yeah, they're very simplistic yeah. uh, covers. It's hard to be... Hard to be it's hard to be mm, simplistic and monkey at the same Minion? time. But. I think, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so we'll try this. We'll wrap up this segment. We'll come back for our, our short final segment. And in that one, I want to try this mezcal that you've had for... Uh, from 1994. From 1994. I didn't know what mezcal <laughs> was in 1994. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this smells so sweet and fruity. So, so Ian, this is a uh, Belgian Golden Strong Ale yes, called I Wise Monkeys. What else does it tell us about it? Uh, it says, Wise Monkeys is a Belgian Golden Strong that packs, uh, that packs punch in a devilishly drinkable package. When you raise the glass to your nose, you will detect a bit of fermented stone fruit, uh, specifically peach and pear. It also has a slightly perceptible sweetness with a semi-dry finish. It is a very dry finish, almost like a... a, a, a remember like the Brut IPAs that mm -hmm. came out for a while that had that super dry finish? The finish is similar to that, although the flavor is very it different. It has a slight champagne nose to mm -hmm. it as well. It certainly does. And the first thing on the palate I got was baking spice. Uh, but there's so much fruitiness and stuff in there uh, as well. I love this. Yeah, I had a feeling you're you're a fan of the strong ale, are you not? Yes. Yeah. So I love it. I love it there too. There are quite a few strong ales. This has got a little funk to the finish too. That a I a little farmhouse love. funk. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's uh, really nice, and it's it's got that uh, that, uh, uh, that that right next to the the stone and the stone fruit, right next mm -hmm. to the the <laughs> peach pit, or right next. You know, it's got that kind of little bit of bitter to it. That's interesting. Very, it's a very interesting. Like, there's so much going on here. It's not a, it's not a one or two note uh, flavor. It's my, very complex. My fingers smell a little bit like the uh, sotol, so I was, yeah. I was getting confusing <laughs> notes on my nose there for a minute there. Yeah, I, uh, we we haven't been drinking water in between. That's drinks. true. See, Liliana, <laughs> you've got to be here. Yeah. You've got to be here to remind us of this. Um, I'm but yes. Uh, so good. I get I'm, a little hint of allspice. Is mm -hmm. that what you were yeah. talking about? Yeah. That, that's, that's what I was saying, yeah. like the baking spice yeah, the vibe spice. That, you, that you get off of that. Yes, it's very uh, very I like interesting. It. I like this I like, one. I like it, too. I like it, too. And this is the first time I've ever tried this. This it's is got, a, it, it, it doesn't actually taste like meat, but it has kind of a meaty kind of mm -hmm. feel to the flavor. That's It's really interesting. It's really, it just really works on, big in the mouth. It works so on a big. lot of different levels. Fascinating. Fascinating, good stuff. Although it's not very viscous. No, it's not as thick as you might expect. It's light. When I think of uh, strong ales, I think of like Dirty Bastard and 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 some of the things that are in that vein that are a little more viscous. But this one is uh, a bit lighter. It says it pairs well with peach pie, sea bass, and gouda. I could see all of that. I could use that. I could see this being also like a marinade with the yeah. acidity in it too, and the flavors to kind of cut down yeah. the fatty to tenderize a nice like thick piece of meat. That fruity aftertaste with yeah. a little bitter to it is so good. Yeah. This, by the way, is 10%. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. That's why I saved it for last because it was the big beer. Because it was because it was the bigger one. But I will say this makes me want to go after the show and have some sea bass and uh, some gouda cheese yeah. and uh, maybe top it off with a little uh, a little of that uh, a peach pie. No, come on, we're peach cobbler. Got to have a peach cobbler. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. All right, we take a break. We'll be back for our final segment where we'll try one more mezcal before our uh, day is over here. And I just have to say thank you for bringing all these wonderful spirits oh, in. This you. has been you said in uh, an email this was going to be a, an adventure yes. and that's exactly what it has mm-hmm. been <laughs> love it we'll be right back it's smoking a dose mm-hmm. I don't know thank you guys for inviting me I know I'm like the bottle's full I'm like I want the worm <laughs> Welcome back. It's smoking and Toastin'. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 281. Two lovely special guests. Uh, of course, our own uh, producer's wife, Brianna Andrus, is here. Brianna and I have... Uh, Enjoyed more tequila together than either of us should probably admit. <laughs> that is an absolute yeah. fact. And then, of course, uh, Liliana Rodriguez, our resident agave spirits expert. We are so thrilled to have you on the show. We haven't had you on since, like, before the pandemic, so it's been too long. And we're excited to have you uh, back again. I think I was here last were you, year. Were you here last year? Yeah, when we did the blind. I was gonna say, yes. was that when I was oh, when on? We did, uh, we did the blind, blind tasting. tasting. Yes, that was that's a lot right. of fun. That yeah, was a lot of fun. That was what amazing. I, what I remember of it was very fun. I, 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 <laughs> Ian and I. Uh, had almost the same scores. Very, That's yeah, right. I remember, and Brianna and I yes, had some we had scores. the same scores. I do, I do remember, remember that. that. Now. You're we right, have to right. do. We, we have to make that like a yearly thing. Would you like well, to do the honors? <laughs> no, it's uh, okay. You do. This this bottle that I'm about to open is from '95. You said 90, it's, a, it's right there. 1994. Oh, 1994. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh huh. Hasn't been when I was just a young pup. The bottle. Now, I yeah, sure. I think like the worm in the bottle is very much like when you go to a uh, uh, a Korean restaurant and you order the fish and it comes out with the face looking at you that freaks people out. Like it doesn't bother me, but I always find it amusing when the table next That's to me does it. That's a great analogy. That's like, ah! And they're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. No, remember I mentioned at the beginning of our session, um, it gives it authenticity, so it came from agaves. Uh, some people because think that, it shows you that it's a good mezcal because the uh, worm hasn't disintegrated. And because it looks like he had a great time before yeah. he kicked it. So uh-huh. uh, This <laughs> is special, well, you guys. This is, <laughs> we got to savor uh, the flavor. This particular uh, worm, this caterpillar, is one that is found on agave plants. Is that right? Yes. It's the moth of a, uh, it's the larvae of a beautiful moth. Mm. Mm. And remember that the worms are also, also cooked. And serve as a delicacy in Oaxaca. Oh, there's no question it's considered a delicacy. And in fact, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if if this makes it a delicacy, but, you know, the whole... Uh, you know, folklore of the worm is that if you drink the yeah, whole bottle and eat the worm, that you really accomplish something. Which mm-hmm. is probably what you accomplish is failing out of college. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it is what it is. So. <laughs> Can you pass me the bottle? Oh yes, ma'am. And I want to mention a couple of interesting things. So, did you get this that long ago? In Oaxaca. Or? In Oaxaca. Yes. Okay. Um, this is Mezcal Matateco. It's a small town again in, in, in okay. Oaxaca, but I I look for it and I don't think it's in production anymore. Well, this the... is 40, for, uh, 80 proof mm-hmm. and it has an NOM also. 
So even All back right. then, it was a regulated product. So it's good that an, a council or some entity is overseeing is the overseeing whole process. To make sure yeah. the quality the is maintained. The other thing um, that I love about this is that the drawings were made by a famous Oaxacan artist. He was a Zapotec Indian that became very famous, Francisco Toledo. Oh. There's wonderful paintings yes. about him, and he died really? a few years ago. And then it says in the back, the moon is habitated by a rabbit whose function is elaborate a sacred elixir or liqueur mm -hmm. that he de deposits during the night in the heart of the agaves to obtain el mezcal. This mezcal will give long life to those who drink it. So. You know, I'm seeing a pattern with the rabbit thing. We had, <laughs> we had the uh, uh, the woman, uh, the goddess Maya who Gale, was uh, who was the mother to all the rabbits. Uh -huh. uh, we had the other thing you were telling us where they would uh, uh, cook the rabbit over the yeah. uh, mezcal when it was. Uh, yeah. when, and now you had the rabbit reference here. I don't know. Maybe mezcal is the great rabbit spirit. <laughs> I'm very Cheers. intrigued. Cheers. I the way, love what Toledo. What do you think? After so I want to years. talk about the nose on this. This is, and, and I'm just going to go with that smoky. that visceral gut feeling that I get with this. Uh, if you've ever been camping, mm -hmm. and you wake up the next morning with <laughs> or without your hangover, um, that 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 smell you get when the fire has gone out, mm -hmm. and but you've got that old campfire smell campfire sitting smell. right yeah. next to it, because it has that smoky but also very earthy kind of smell. Right, right, right. It is, this is very, very smoky and earthy right on the nose. It's beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. the, so this takes us back to more like what I would anticipate uh, the notes would be, the smokiness that you would get from a mezcal. I wonder if it has lost any of the original aroma. Have you tried it? No, I didn't try it back then. <laughs> so. Have you tried it now? My. Still. It's still there. Uh, I'm waiting to see the look on your face when you try it. Oh my! Yes, it is. This warm. is delightful. One hundred percent amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm super impressed because I'm like I mean I love art, like uh -huh. I love love art. <clears throat> and Francisco Toledo is one of one of, uh -huh. one of my favorite artists. Oh, I have some of his books. And Do you? Oh my yeah. gosh! And so that's why I'm like I'm even looking at it and I'm just like oh like I can obviously yeah. tell just by his yeah. style. You but that's really the, interesting to uh, see that he did that the artwork for this bottle. I think that's really, really cool. The Mexican culture is so rich yeah. with art, with uh, literature, and obviously with spirits. I mean, it, it's cuisine. just... And, and cuisine. cuisine. Oh, my goodness. The culture, cuisine. dynamics, and, uh, all of it all around. And, and what's interesting is that you know here in, in Texas, we have a tendency to think of Mexican food as Tex-Mex, and don't get me wrong, Tex-Mex is one of the world's most mm -hmm. amazing things it is that, that exists. <laughs> it's wonderful. But there are so many great restaurants here in uh, in Houston, and I know uh, around the rest of the state as well, that focus on a particular um, region of Mexico mm -hmm. and the food that is native to yeah. that region. Uh, very close to where I live is uh, Zochi, which is oh, I love a Sochi. wonderful restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so and it's good. so different. There's so much 
interesting culture and cuisine in that in that food. It's just it, it's just absolutely wonderful. How do you say in spoon in Spanish? Cuchara. La cuchara. Yeah. That's a place that we found that's just recently opened up in Houston, mm-hmm. and awesome. it is amazing. Wow. Like I love five it. stars. In my neighborhood, you everyone go should to go. A little place that's been painted that specific color yellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and when you sit down at the table, they don't bring you chips and salsa. They bring you a bowl of beans, and then you start ordering your food. Nice. Like, and it's it's authentic Mexican, and and depending on which place you go, uh, you know which region. And these are not expensive places at all, and food mm-hmm. is so good. Yeah. And I love that. And there's like four or five of those just around my neighborhood. Love it. Yeah. You love it. This is, this is truly a wonderfully international city. A lot of people would not mm-hmm. realize that about Houston. They think it's just, you know, pickup trucks with steer horns on the front. And, you know, uh, and, you know in and their there's defense, there's a lot of that. There is that, too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, there is uh, every ethnicity is represented in Houston. And every ethnicity's cuisine, I think, is re- represented in Houston. But that said... Anything that has to do with Mexico, you'll find an abundance of wonderful uh, representation of that in this city. And, and I'm so we're, we're lucky. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that you guys have given me the opportunity to share my culture. Well, I've been in Texas since 1982, so I have a lot of love for Texas, but also Mexico. And I have the opportunity, I have had the opportunity through the Institute of Hispanic Culture and other venues to, to give presentations, and people get always uh, fascinated. It's, by, it's fascinating know. stuff. And yeah. by the way, your timeline means that you bought this after you'd been here for two years. So that's pretty exciting, too. Also, it's a pleasure. You say it's a pleasure for you to be here. I'm like, it's a pleasure to be in your presence well, and absolutely. absorb your knowledge absolutely. and we, all that you have to offer. We love having you uh, on the show. I remember after the very first time we had you on, Liliana, one of the comments was, uh, I don't remember, maybe it was Bruce Stark, I don't remember, yeah, but he said Bruce. something about he'd learned more about tequila in the just this show than like he'd known <laughs> in his whole life. And it's absolutely true. You you have such a rich knowledge, but what I think is even, even more amazing than the knowledge is the enthusiasm that you have for mm-hmm. it. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's what makes it so much fun to be around you. Thank you for coming Thank in. You. Let's do this again. In fact, I think we should... Uh, because didn't we do an Añejo blind taste test? Is that what we did last time? Yes, all right, we well, did. It, it's time for a Reposado blind yeah. taste test, don't you think? I'm uh, in. I'm in. All right, so, if so we we'll plan it, I will book my flight okay, back yeah, to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will be here. Well, I would, we, would, we would love to have you, and any excuse I can get you, uh, I can use to get you and Adam on a plane to come back, we will use. So. We will always be coming um, back. And, and, and Bruce Stark put up here, uh, he's a little concerned, he says, does Adam know how much you love art, and what about Art's wife? <laughs> <laughs> I think that brings us to a good place to uh, to end the show. Uh, like to say thanks to Doug on the Wheels of Steel, uh, who is uh, who is uh, stepping in to replace Adam once Adam is gone. Uh, and uh, big thanks, of course, to Brianna and Liliana uh, for making this show so so much fun today. And uh, and wow, we had some good stuff. Uh, I would say to those of you who made it all the way through with the show, thank you very much for being here. Uh, we wish you a happy Cinco de Mayo and cheers, cheers y'all. Salud. 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 <laughs>